0: What up, world? To pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond, you're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. The Blazers closed out their road trip with a 102.99 win over the Oklahoma City Thunder on Thursday night. They'll head back to Portland for a couple days off before they play again on Saturday. I want to talk a little bit about that game more collectively than specifically. It was another night where Damian Lillard was excellent in the fourth quarter. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the road trip as a whole. Not just the OKC game. I don't want to hit you with a recap. You can find a recap anywhere else. I want to spin it forward and talk about the season as a whole. And finally, I want to close out this episode with a quick look ahead. Some big news in the NBA affecting the Blazers' next two games. And then asking the question, what have we learned? We're five games into the season. Have we learned anything? But let's start with Damian Lode. Another monster fourth quarter tonight. We won't get too granular about this game. Here's what I'll tell you. The Blazers won a rock fight. Neither team played particularly well. But the Blazers played better late, and Dame was really good in the the fourth quarter. That has become a trend this season. Damian Lillard is the NBA's leader in fourth quarter points, averaging 12.2 points per game in the fourth quarter through five games. To put that in perspective for you, last year the league leaders in uh, fourth quarter scoring were LeBron James at 8.6 points per game in the fourth, and James Harden at 8.3 points per game in the fourth. Damien Lode was among the best last year at scoring in the final period, scoring when it mattered. He averaged 5.6, per game, 5.6 points per game in the fourth quarter la- last season. That was tied for 18th in the NBA. He's always been this kind of guy, but to begin this season, he's really taken it to a level we haven't seen. On Wednesday night against OKC, he came in with the Blazers down two. He scored 10 points and dished out five assists setting up Rodney Hood for a crucial three, setting up CJ McCollum for an easy three, setting up Hood for actually two threes because one of them early in the period came in the opposite corner. He stepped into three threes. He fed Whiteside for a dunk. He just manipulated and controlled the game. He's talked about this before. It's part of his approach it's part of the way he kind of sees and feels out a game really early on in games you know the first four five eight ten possessions he kind of sees how the defense is playing him and he decides then or reads then early in the first quarters and i've talked to him about this and he said this a bunch Uh, this isn't sort of like a secret by any means but he said uh, that in those early possessions in those first 10 possessions or so he'll kind of see what the defense is how they're guarding him are they sending an extra guy? Is the weak side guy cheating over? How far out does the other big man come? If they don't get a screen, are they shading him one way? If they if he does get a screen, how does the the second and third help defender react? But he doesn't always go early. He doesn't always attack early. He doesn't. He, he sometimes is very conscientious about getting guys buckets early on in the game. Feeding the big man or feeding the Rodney Hoods of the world. I say Rodney Hoods of the world because he used to always seem to get Mo Harkless involved early last year. Last couple of years. But then in the fourth quarter, when the game is on the line when it's time to win, Damian Lord goes out and does what he does, which is... Go try to win the game, and sometimes on his own. On this road trip alone, he had 13 points on 4-4 shooting against Sacramento. He had 7 in the fourth quarter against Dallas, but he had already had a monster third quarter, and they were paying a lot more attention to him in the final frame. Against San Antonio, a night later, he scored 18 straight points for the Blazers and was 1-3, that was three-quarters of the way down, rimming out from scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter and forcing overtime. And then against Oklahoma City, as I mentioned on Wednesday, he had 10 points, hit three of four threes, five assists, did not turn the ball over. And when he checked in, the Blazers were losing, When the buzzer sounded they had won the game. This wasn't a pretty game. This wasn't a particularly impressive game. But this was Dame kind of understanding what needed to happen. And I think this is a sign of his of his sort of maturity. And, and, and maybe I'll even use the, the L word that everyone likes to use with Dame. Maybe it's a sign of his leadership. Because sometimes leadership is saying, how about you guys get the hell out of my way and I'll go win us the game because we need to do it now. Now, against Oklahoma City, he shared the rock. The three I mentioned uh, that he set up for Rodney Hood was a massively important shot. The Blazers were up two with the clock running under about 50 seconds, and Blazers took a timeout. They put all shooters on the floor, subbing out, Hassan Whiteside, who played down the stretch for the first time all season. I should note that because I've noted that he hasn't. But yeah, he played crunch time, guys. But the final offensive play of the night, Blazers went with five shooters. Tolliver, Hood, Bazemore, McCollum, Lillard. And Dame just attacked. And Hami Diallo, who had just checked in the game for OKC, played about as terrible a defense as you could possibly play. Dame easily ran right past Dennis Schroeder. Danilo Gallinari had to help. Hami Diallo didn't help the helper, and Dame made the right pass. Sometimes leadership looks like that. It's setting up Rodney Hood for a bucket. But I think other times leadership looks like it did in San Antonio, where you just score a bunch of points and you shoot every time down the floor because you read that your team needs you to do that. Leadership takes on a bunch of different forms. On the Blazers' broadcast today, they talked about leadership kind of looking like Dame giving a respectful interview. I got to disagree with that. Nothing that Dame does with the media is leadership. The leadership he exhibits is with the team. Maybe treating the media nice sets a nice example for whatever for his coworkers. But the leadership that he really provides is, is the stuff that we see on the court when he goes and tr- either trusts his guys to make a shot or knows that he can't trust them anymore. And then it's all the soft stuff he does behind the scenes, sending guys nice text messages and all that. But I think why I mentioned that comment from the of broadcasting is because the leadership word gets thrown a lot, around a lot with Dame because it's a clearly a skill of his, but it's kind of hard to pinpoint when we're seeing it. So anything that he does positive is leadership, quote-unquote. But I really do think this fourth quarter scoring, him being the guy that wants the ball and is going to go try to win the game late, is like the most obvious tangible example of it. Now, I don't think he can average 12 points a game in the fourth quarter all year long. That, for those of you who are good at math, would be about 48 points a game if you were to do that for four quarters. But I do think the way this team is set up and I'll talk about this more later in the podcast they might need Dame to score more than he did a season ago. Whiteside isn't the scorer; Nurk is. Well they added some shooters and more off pen, offensive punch theoretically to this roster. Uh, we haven't really seen that yet and maybe it'll come around as Anthony, as Anthony Simons develops and Kent Bazemore starts making shots and all those things. But right now I think it's I think Dame is going to be right up there near the top fourth quarter scores. This level isn't sustainable, but the idea that he could approach something like it and average, you know, between seven and nine points per game in the fourth and be one of the leaders in the fourth quarter, totally reasonable to me. In the second segment, I want to talk about just this road trip as a whole. What do we learn in the Blazers' first four-gamer away from home? But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about my bookie. Pro and college ball are tipping off, and there's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stake in the game with MyBookie.ag. If you listen to this podcast, you know basketball, so why don't you use it? That's right. Take it. Make some money with that brain of yours. Use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at MyBookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. If you really want to support the Blazers this season, don't sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with MyBookie.ag. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right, double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A, to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, so we talked Dame's fourth quarter heroics. It's become a trend mostly because he's kind of had to drag his team to the finish line and because he understands that there are nights when he has to drag his team to the finish line. In fact, nearly all four of their road games this season, he's had to do that. Against Sacramento, they kind of pulled away late, but they pulled away late because he hit some monster three-pointers that kind of ended all doubt. Logo Lillard, as they have called him. Not a fan of that nickname, but hey, it happens. So, speaking of dragging this team to the finish line, what did I think of their first four-game trip? I thought it was mostly kind of meh. I don't think they played particularly well. I would say, on the whole, they kind of it looked kind of rocky. Obviously, losing Zach Collins hurts. He's a, such a key piece of what they're doing. I've mentioned a million times they just don't have a lot of guys who can do what he does. And yet, they got on the plane tonight in Oklahoma City and flew back home 3-1 on the road with a very legit shot at going 4-0. And by that same token, a pretty reasonable chance to go 1-3 and on this road trip, right? Coach's challenge doesn't go their way. If the Blazers don't make basically half their threes against Oklahoma City. Just, a, you know, a few bounces here and there, and they're 4-0, and a few bounces here and there, and they're 1-3 on this trip. So what I want to ask and answer is, do style points matter in October? Here's how I honestly feel. I do not think aesthetics in basketball matter in March and April. I think those wins, when you get to that point in the season, you just want to steal a couple victories. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You've played 65 games. The last 17 are just about making sure you get into the playoffs and get into the playoffs with the seating that you want, if that's an option for your team. But in October, I think this is where aesthetics matter more. I think because now you're building habits. The Blazers, on this trip particularly, looked like a new team. They looked like a group trying to integrate a whole bunch of new guys. They lost one of their just few players on the roster that has played regular minutes for this team. They're incorporating six new faces. And Scal's not a new face by technical standards, but he certainly didn't play last year. This is his first time being involved in the stuff that happens on the court. When the games are on. It's a lot of new parts. And the Blazers look like a new team playing October basketball games. Next time you see them they'll look like a new team playing November basketball games. But my larger point is. I do think. You would like them to play cleaner because you're developing habits in October. And you're developing habits in October for December. And you're developing habits in December for January. You're developing those habits for after the All-Star break. And then you're developing habits down the stretch for the playoffs. But why I say that the aesthetics don't matter as much in March and April games is because you kind of already established your identity once you hit that 55 game mark. Then you're just in scramble mode. You want to stay healthy and get to the playoffs. But now, the stuff that looks like a little rocky for the Blazers, it can start to become an identity. A team that struggles to identify who to, who's going to pick up the ball in transition might turn out to be this team being a bad transition defense. A team that sometimes has a lot of one-pass-and-shoot possessions, could be a team that doesn't live up to their offensive potential. And a team where their star point guard has to drag them across the finish line could be a team too reliant on their top-heavy stars to do a lot of the lifting on offense. Now, five games in, we don't know if that's going to be the case. In fact, it would be crazy to say it is going to be the case but i think aesthetics matter a little bit i think style points matter a little bit in october so the road trip while undeniably positive undeniably positive at 3 and 1 to go home 3 and 2 especially cuz they're just they're stacking up road games early so any wins on the road particularly against western conference teams incredibly valuable but you'd like to see the Blazers be a little bit sharper. They lost that game in San Antonio because they were awful for 12 minutes in the third quarter. They probably should have lost that game in Dallas because they just couldn't guard the Mavericks at all to start the game. And OKC, missing Stephen Adams, could have stolen this game if they could have made any outside shots. They went 4 of 27 from deep. But friends, we will not remember these games in two weeks. Unless the habits we see now, kind of an underwhelming defense and an offense that stalls for long stretches and and can't find a ton of offense without Dame or CJ on the floor, unless that becomes the Blazers' identity, we won't remember these games. So they're only important if this is the beginning of some identity and not just a rocky start with a new roster. So I think that's why, that's why it matters. That's why when I look back at this road trip, I kind of say, meh. Like, some of these games, the Blazers didn't look very good. And then they won three out of four. In the last segment, I want to talk about what we've learned. And then I want to touch on some uh, pretty big NBA stories that have happened basically since I hit record. They affect the Blazers immediately. So that's what we'll do in the third segment. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you guys about Indochino. Indochino's the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. And you can start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when you enter the code LOCKEDON at checkout. All right, still past first point guard, still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked On Blazers. Talk Damian Lillard's fourth quarter dominance. We talked about the Blazers who kind of had an underwhelming road trip that ended with very whelming, I guess, results. They whelmed, y'all. So what have we learned five games in? The Blazers do this thing internally where they break up the season into five-game segments. They kind of say, here are our our next five games, and we want to go three and two in our next five games. We want to win more than we lose. So what have we learned from the Blazers' first five-game segment of the season? Couple things. One, Stotts trusts Anthony Tolliver. Anthony Tolliver looked terrible, terrible in the first three games of the season. Terry Stotts is undeterred. He's going to start Tolliver, power forward, in part because he doesn't have another power forward on the roster, and in part because he trusts Tolliver, a twelve-year vet who can knock down open shots, at least in theory. He's starting to get do that in practice more often over the last two games, but. He's in the right place on defense, he plays hard, he doesn't make too many mistakes. Sometimes he does a lot of nothing, I guess would be my criticism of him, but he's not going to do things wrong, and Terry Stotts trusts him. The other thing we've learned, Anthony Simons is maxed out about 17 minutes right now. I thought Anthony Simons was going to play about 24-25 minutes a night. I still think eventually we're going to see 24-25 minutes of Anthony Simons. This season, and assuming health ahead of him on the depth chart, he's not going to be a 30-minute-a-night guy. It's just not the way it works. But I thought he was going to play 24-25 minutes, even early on in this season. And it seems like right now, for I mean, obvious reasons, the two best players on the Blazers team are ahead of him on the depth chart. He's maxed out at about 17 minutes. He isn't ready to play with Dame and CJ in a small lineup. They just need more help defensively on the wings. So when he plays, one of Dame and CJ are sitting. And right now, those guys have to be on the court a bunch. So Simons is maxed out about 17 minutes, 15, 17 each night. At least now, probably until Thanksgiving. Then we'll, we'll reassess. The other thing we've learned is that here can contribute, guys. I thought he was a break-the-glass, emergency-type center. And instead, he looks like someone who can play a little bit. In fact, there's been nights when he's been better than Hassan Whiteside on offense. Now, he has some limitations. But he's got decent touch around the basket and out to the mid-range and can, in theory, shoot three-pointers, although we haven't really seen it. He's been finishing well. He blocked a couple shots on Wednesday night. And while I don't think he's a high-level defender, he's at least a tall person who can be tall around the rim. That, in and of itself, has value. For me, those are the big three things we've learned. We knew Damian Lode was good. We knew CJ McCollum was good. They've both been good. Hassan Whiteside has been kind of exactly what I anticipated. So, I'm not surprised one way or another from him. Good stats, good games. Limited offensive weapon, not a great option down the stretch when teams are going to force you to guard in space. I don't know if we've learned anything new. I look forward to learning more about Hassan in the final 77 games of the season. Speaking of those 77 games, there is some big ol' NBA news that is going to affect the Blazers. On Saturday... At the Motor Center. They play Philly in 70s Night. You guys into 70s Night? Come get a ticket. But don't expect to see Joel Embiid. Our good friend Joel Embiid got into a fight with Carl Anthony Towns during Wednesday's game in Philadelphia against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And since then while I've been recording this podcast, the two of them have been sparring on Twitter. I kind of thought there was a an Instagram too. They're just all over social media mad at each other. I kind of thought there was a chance that both those guys would just get away with a big fine and they'd let them keep playing. But now that there has been all this other drama, I think they're both going to get suspended for at least a game. So it's unlikely Joel Embiid, in, from my eyes, sitting here on Wednesday evening, that Embiid will be available Saturday philly's next game so 70s night might come without a premier star for philly the blazers next game following that clash with philadelphia is monday night against the golden state warriors and on wednesday while playing against the phoenix suns steph curry fractured a bone Perhaps multiple bones, but fractured his left hand. We, I, as of recording, I, we don't know the exact details of this, but he's going to be out sometime indefinitely, probably weeks. We're talking, we're, if we're, we're talking weeks, not days. Obviously, with an injury like this. So the so the Warriors, who are already stumbling to start this season, they kind of got, or they were getting handled by the Suns even before Curry got hurt, and they've struggled all year with just one win over the struggling New Orleans Pelicans. Are now without perhaps the game's best offensive player. I think that means that the Warriors' already dwindling playoff hopes—they looked—they just looked like a team that n- needed more help. Stefan Draymond could not carry that that roster. The other guys were, um, you know, questionable NBA players. A lot of dudes who are like fringe NBA players, and then they're. Definite NBA players are hurt, like Alec Burks and Willie Colley-Stein, Kevon Looney. But now no Steph Curry means that the Warriors are probably a mid-tier lottery team, a team that's going to threaten for, depending on how long Curry misses, a team that is, I think, very unlikely to make the playoffs. This has implications not just for Monday's game, but much farther reaching. I think one of the teams that a lot of people thought would be right there in the playoff mix. I know some people thought the Warriors would be in that 4-5 range in the West. I always projected them a little lower in those six, 7 eight, the, the final three playoff spots in the West. I thought that's where they would likely end up. But now I don't think they're a playoff team. Which makes things overall easier on the Blazers as their quest to get back to the Western Conference Finals, will have one less very good team in their way. That's a big deal. Blazers' next two games got a little bit easier. <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to stay that easy because after that they play the Clippers on TNT in Los Angeles. The NBA season is here. I know that because while I was recording this episode, two All Stars got into a spat on social media. And I know that because there was a 159 158 game tonight in the league, and it's like the fourth biggest story. I love this time of year, and I love you guys for listening. Do me a favor tell your friend about Lockdown Blazers. Then maybe they'll tell a friend. We'll grow the audience, keep growing the show. They can find this podcast wherever they already get podcasts. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. More games, more drama coming. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.